Good morning, podcast. I'm Chef Ben, and this is Food in Five, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. Uh, now, where I live, it is a holiday Monday, and so I thought I would do something a little different today. Uh, years and years ago, I wrote a blog called Proto Adventure. I started it when I first moved to Montreal as a way to keep my family up to date with what was happening in my life. The blog wasn't about food, but inevitably some of the content was. I'm telling you this because I'm going to share one of my posts from way back then with you. I'm going to do this for a few reasons. Number one, it's a really good story that illustrates the power that food can have in our lives. Number two, I didn't sleep very well and my brain can't seem to come up with anything new to write. Number three, it's a holiday Monday and so I think something a little different is in order. Now, a little bit of a setup for this story. Um, I wrote this in 2012, I think. Um, I was living in Montreal. I just moved there. Uh, if you kind of listened to the About Me piece from a couple weeks ago, then you kind of know the context. I, I moved there with nothing. Um, and so I'd been eating a lot of processed food and stuff. Um, yeah, so that's really all you need to know. I lived in a fully furnished apartment that didn't really have a lot. Anyway. I hope that you enjoy this story from way back when as much as I enjoyed rereading it. So without further ado, here is the story of the stew that saved the day. Now this story is as much about the stew as it is the day that it saved. This was not a good day. It started out fine, but somewhere in the middle it got all messed up. It all started with one simple need. Nothing extravagant, nothing out of the ordinary, but as you will see, even the most boring everyday needs can take you down a path you would prefer not to go down. It all started with a pot. I needed one. I'd been spending too much money on prepared food and needed to start cooking at home. As I've mentioned before, I came here with only a small suitcase and all my kitchen supplies are back in Nova Scotia. With my fully furnished apartment came a small and pretty much useless frying pan. Other than that, I had no spoons to stir or serve, and no kitchen gear whatsoever. Based on advice from my good friend Evan back in Nova Scotia, I decided to do what I should have done when I first got here. I want to say that initially I didn't want to buy a lot of stuff, like pots and pans, because this residence is only temporary, but it was time to bite the bullet. I simply cannot afford to keep buying expensive prepared food, with this in mind, I went searching for a pot. I've told you before about the store of Rossi, the place where I accidentally underpaid for my goods when I first got here. I remember seeing pots and pans and other kitchen essentials there, so I decided to walk down and see if they had what I wanted. After walking up and down every aisle, it became very clear to me that they did not. It is important to the store to mention now that it was overcast all day. There were a few drops of rain in the air, but so little it was hardly noticeable. And after leaving Rossi, I thought I would try my luck at Canadian Tire. And after another 20-minute walk, I got there, and of course, they didn't have what I needed either. I returned home to get a quick drink of water. A little less enthused than when I had left, but still in a good mood. And from here, I planned my next course of action. Two trains away, there is a Zellers. It's at the Atwater Metro Station. I've been there many times and knew deep in my heart that they, Zellers, would have exactly what I needed. I left home once again, my confidence restored, knowing that after another 20-minute walk to the metro station, one transfer and another 20 minutes in the subway, I would have exactly what I needed. I walked to the metro, 
excuse me, paid my fare and was on my way. The train came in no time at all. To borrow a line from The Simpsons, everything was coming up Millhouse. We got to my stop where I was to transfer, no problems. Feeling good, I crossed the station and waited only minutes for my next train. I got on. There were a lot of people on board, but it wasn't so crowded that you didn't have room to breathe and nothing I couldn't deal with. The train left the station, and again, everything was going swimmingly. One stop after another, everything was going great. Soon I would be in possession of my new pot, and I would make my way back home to cook a delicious pasta. I initially wanted to make pasta, but after what happened next, stew seemed like a better choice. Now, as I've said, stop after stop, everything was going great. Then, it wasn't. We had stopped at a station, I'm not entirely sure which one, but we had been stopped for a while. This was out of the ordinary, but there was no need to panic. Then the power on the train went out. No one else started to panic, so I wasn't going to either. After about seven minutes, there was an announcement over the PA, which I, of course, didn't understand because it was in French and muffled, and after which a few people got up and left, but the majority stayed, so I stayed as well. There, waiting in the dark for something to happen, either the train to start moving or... Or, well, I didn't really know what else to expect. I thought the train would just start moving and everything would go back to normal. I'd be on my way to get my pot, and all these other people would go about their business. This did not happen. About seven minutes after the first announcement, there was a second. Again, I didn't understand it. But this time, everyone with anger and frustration in their eyes got up and left the train. Not to be one left behind, I did the same. It was dark and windy when I emerged from the deep, from deep within the bowels of Montreal. Drizzle fell from the sky, and I looked for anything familiar. There was nothing. The air was heavy, the sky angry, and I was lost. I turned to my smartphone for advice and direction. I cannot overstate the importance my phone has played in my journey. It has been and continues to be my most trusted and reliable friend on my lone adventures. That, however, is a story for another time. It is said that knowing is half the battle. I knew where I was going, and my phone knew how to get me there. Half the battle had already been won. And according to my phone, I had about a half hour walk to my destination, and knowing that I could not rely on the metro to take me there, I began to walk. Street after street, block after block, store after store, I walked. As I traveled towards my final destination, the wind blew harder, and the sky grew angrier. All around me, umbrellas collapsed. People ran for cover. Harder and harder the wind blew, and the sky grew angrier and angrier. It was 3 p.m. and already as dark as it ever gets in downtown Montreal, and with a mighty gust the wind blew, the sky opened, and rain began to fall. I walked through it all determined to not be broken, to not give up. I was on a mission and would not rest until it had seen its completion. The rain fell lightly at first, but with every step I took and every gust of wind, it fell heavier. Around me, people ran for shelter. Their umbrellas useless in the strong wind, I kept moving. I ducked around a corner, finding temporary relief from the storm only in long enough to check my progress on my phone. I was at about the halfway mark, and I knew the journey was only going to get more difficult from here. I stepped out from behind my shelter, only to be smashed in the face by a gust of wind stronger than almost any I had experienced before it. It carried with it a thousand droplets of rain stabbing like needles on my skin. I pushed on. 
The streets had become next to barren as the locals hid in buildings and under awnings, waiting for a chance to make a run for it. They watched as I walked by with what I would assume was quiet envy, wishing they had the courage to brave the storm as I did. Or they thought I was an idiot, but I prefer to think they envied me. With the rain and the wind smashing against my face, I looked around. Finally, I had seen something familiar. I knew I was heading in the right direction. A few minutes later, as the rain began to fall in sheets, I saw it, what I had been searching for. A block away from where I stood was the entrance to the Atwater Mall. In that instant, I saw the promised land. The sky let out a mighty roar, and with that, a rain like none other I had ever seen fell from the sky. Hardly able to see a foot in front of me, blinded by the rain and the wind, I searched for shelter. Up ahead a few steps, I saw a dry spot. I ran towards it and hid under the awning of a building, hoping to catch a break from the now full-blown storm. I was so close to where I wanted to be, but all I could do was wait. I waited and waited for the rain to die down, but it was not ready to let up. I thought about taking a picture, but the wind and rain were too mighty. I quickly realized that there would be no break from the storm. I had to make a run for it. With every ounce of courage I could muster, I ran. I ran for my life, faster than I had ever run before. Soaked to my bones, dripping and cold. I had made it. Once inside the mall, uncomfortable and annoyed, I headed straight for Zeller's. The mall was full of people seeking shelter, some nearly as wet as why I was, but I would let no one stand in my way. I walked quickly with determination. I entered Zeller's and made a beeline straight for the homeware section. Pausing only for a jerk with a shopping cart who insisted on rushing in front of me in a narrow aisle. I turned left, I turned right, I turned left again. I avoided narrow aisles as I would be slowed down no more. I had found what I was looking for. A pot, nothing fancy, simply a pot. It was on sale. Perfect. I reached down and pulled the pot off the shelf feeling like Arthur pulling Excalibur from the stone. I took a step. Cutting boards were on sale also. I grabbed one of those as well. I headed straight for the checkout, wanting to exit the store as quickly as possible. I knew that in my current state, it was best for me to be around people for as little time as possible. I waited in a short line, paid for my goods, and left. I now held in my hand exactly what I needed. But wait, I had no spoons with which to stir the stew which I would be making in this pot. The cold and the rain had changed my mind from pasta to stew, and I was, needed, I was in need of something that would stick to my bones, and stew was it. Across the mall there was a dollar store. I knew they would have spoons, so again with determination and fire in my eyes, I walked briskly. Once inside, I made my way to the aisle I knew would have my supplies, and I found a three-pack of spoons. It read one twenty-five. Um, with the spoons in my hand, I made my way to the checkout. There was a long line, and with all the patience I could muster, I waited. In front of me, there was an older Asian man. I'd put him at about the mid-forties. In his hand, he held a one liter of Oasis juice, which is very common here, and he looked around impatiently. He seemed, for lack of a better term, sketchy. I thought of this man as someone who could take out a knife and kill us all at any second. And there was a man in front of him, an older gentleman, quietly waiting his turn. The cashier at the end loudly said, Next! And the person in front of the older gentleman walked to her. The odd Asian man let out a loud, high-pitched yelp sounding similar to the word next. In what may or may not have been a language, the Asian man spoke to himself. 
I don't know what it was said, but I do know he did not appear to be happy or sane. By this time he had positioned himself beside the older gentleman. I feared for his life. And when the next cashier opened, the Asian man made a break for it, pushing the older man out of the way. The older gentleman pushed back, uh, pushed the Asian man away, and took his rightful place at the checkout. The Asian man screamed to himself, at this point I feared for all of our lives. A half second later, another checkout was free. The Asian man ran towards it, showed the juice to the clerk, threw some money on the counter, and ran out of the store. It was now my turn. I paid for my spoons and without incident left the store, thankful to still be alive and hoping to never see that man again. I now had a pot, a cutting board, and some spoons. The only thing missing was food. I knew there was a grocery store on the lower level, so that is my next destination. I avoided crowded escalators, opting for the stairs. Still soaking wet, still cold and uncomfortable, still frustrated and a little disturbed from my dollar store experience, I wanted to be as quick as possible. I went into the grocery store knowing exactly what I wanted. Cubed beef, garlic, and potatoes. The rest I would get at the market by my house. I got what I wanted and made my way again to the checkout. I went to the express checkout, which turned out to be not express at all. The teenage girl working the checkout was much more interested in flirting with the bag boy and conversing with her co-workers than doing her job. Slowly, the line moved forward. The woman in front of me had made it. It was her turn. All she had was one liter of milk. The girl swiped it on the code reader and, not paying attention, as she was too busy flirting with the bag boy, began to grab my things. I looked at her and, holding back as much frustration as I could, said simply, No. With a dirty look, the girl returned my potatoes to the conveyor belt. The woman paid and left. The girl, again not paying attention, held a receipt in front of my face, moving her hand up and down, waiting for someone to grab it. The woman, who the receipt belonged to, already long gone. Finally, the girl turned her head to notice that the woman was no longer there. Without so much as an apologizing look, she began to pass my things over the scanner. Again, she started to grab the goods of the next person in line and tried to ring those in under my bill. Again, with the restraint of a saint, I said, No. Have I mentioned how frustrated and annoyed I was before I walked into the store? At this point, I was about ready to reach across the counter and slap this girl in the face. I did not, but in the few minutes I stood there, I visualized it about 20 times. I paid, bagged my own groceries as the bag boy was too busy flirting with the cashier, and I left. Angry, frustrated, annoyed, cold, wet, and uncomfortable, I headed towards the metro entrance. I again paid my fare and went down to catch my train. From this point, I could take the train going either direction. Uh, Either way, I would have to transfer. I wanted to get home as quickly as possible, so opted for the train that would take less time. I went down the stairs, and the train was there. It was completely full and just sitting there. Judging by the looks on the passengers' faces, it had been sitting there a while. I decided that I didn't want to be stuck on a train full of people, and I do mean full of people. I went back up the stairs and crossed over to the other side of the tracks. I waited for a few minutes. No train came, but the other one also hadn't left. About five minutes later, uh, the waiting train began to move. With this, I looked up at the screen which displays departure times and saw that the train I was now waiting for would be about 15 minutes. Usually the train comes every five or six minutes. Frustrated to a point which I simply cannot put into words, I waited. Less than two minutes after the train had left the other side, another had arrived. 
I figured this one would wait for a while, like the one before it, so I decided to wait as I had been doing. It left 45 seconds later. In the five or six minutes I had been waiting for the arrival of my train, the arrival time had not changed at all. I could see the screen on the other side which said that the next train in that direction would leave in about three minutes. Again, I went back up the stairs and crossed over to the other side. Three and a half minutes later I was on the train. It wasn't crowded, but all the seats were taken. No big deal, I didn't mind waiting, or I didn't mind standing. Within a few seconds we were moving. We arrived at the transfer point without issue, which I was very thankful for. I made my connecting train, which again was not packed, but there were no seats available. I stood at the next stop. Uh, about 150 people got on. Now it was crowded. Without, uh, with not enough room to turn my head and people unintentionally groping me from all sides, I stood. The train moved forward. More and more people got on at every stop and you could truly not fit another single person in that subway car. And as a person who values personal space, I was even more uncomfortable than I had been before. Finally, after a prolonged stop at the station, before mine, I was free. I walked home from the station, stopping only to pick up the rest of the supplies that I needed, thankful that the rain had subsided. After a brief visit to one of the local markets, I was home. Exhausted, frustrated, cold, and slightly broken, I sat on my couch only after trading my wet clothes for dry ones. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to do anything. I would have been completely content with just sitting and staring at my wall for the rest of the evening, trying to digest the day from hell which I had just had. But I was hungry and my stomach growled. I made a quick peanut butter and jam sandwich to tide me over until the stew would be ready. I conjured up every ounce of energy I could to clean the kitchen before I started the stew. I had to clean off and wash the counter, wash my pot, spoons, and cutting board. This didn't take long, but it was not an easy task. And once my kitchen was clean, I began. I seasoned the beef and began to sear it. While it was searing, I cut all my vegetables. I added celery and onions, and after a few minutes, added garlic. I deglazed the pan with the light beer I had in the fridge. I reduced it, added beef stock, and reduced it some more. I seasoned and seasoned again. By this point, I was a lot more relaxed than I had been before. Cooking always relaxes me. And after three hours of simmering, I added my potatoes. Ten minutes later, my carrots. And after everything was cooked, I added a thickening agent, cooked it out, and with that, the stew was ready. The meat was soft, the, ve the vegetables were tender but not falling apart, and the flavor was more than I could have asked for, despite the limited seasonings I had available. I filled the dish with the now-finished stew. I sat and I ate. I got seconds. I sat and I ate. On a day when almost nothing had gone right, I missed home more than ever. I was sad and beaten down. The stew somehow made it all worth it. It warmed me up, made me feel whole again, made me feel like I was home. And with a belly full of homemade stew, once more at peace with the world, I placed my head on my pillow. Lying there, I reflected on the day. I thought of how something as simple as stew could make all those bad thoughts and feelings melt away. And with that, in the warm feeling in my belly, I slept without a single negative thought or feeling in my mind. Stew truly had saved my day. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your culinary manual. Uh, you can find me also at ChefBenKelly.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ChefBenKelly and on Facebook at BenKellyCooks. I hope that you have a fantastic Monday, and I know that this is an especially long episode, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And I'll be back tomorrow with an episode of Food History. I'll see you then.